Go to uh, Psalms, please. The book of Psalms. Psalm 4. And then we're going to Psalm 91. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. How precious it is to us. Your word is life to us. And health and healing and medicine. To all of our flesh. You sent your word and healed us. And delivered us from all destructions. Show us things we've not seen. Give us understanding and insight and revelation. Truth that makes free. Remind us of things you've shown us aforetime. Show us how to put it into practice. And by your grace we'll not be hearers only. But we will be doers of the word. We know as we do. We will be blessed because you are so faithful to watch over your word and perform it in our lives when we do it. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord. Said out loud, love, love faith, faith, truth, truth doing. doing. Amen. How about those words? Say it one more time. Love, faith, Truth, doing. One more time. Love, faith, truth, doing. Did you find Psalm 4? Psalm 4, verse 8. He said, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. For you, Lord, only make me dwell in safety. Safety. Today's English version says, when I lie down, I go to sleep in peace. You alone, O Lord, keep me perfectly safe. That's the title of our series we've been on for some weeks now. Perfect Protection. Perfect protection. Everybody say it out loud. You, O Lord, Lord, keep me perfectly safe. safe. You do know that's how you made it this far. (laughs) Is that he has kept you. Oh, dear me. Me and my brother, all boys. I don't remember a summer when we didn't at least make one trip to the ER. I got scars. <laughs> Dear me, I've gone down on motorcycles. I've slid down rocks into uh, water crevices. I've skied in too fast and rolled up a hill. And, you know, I've been thrown through barbed wire fences. That's kind of rough. <laughs> But by the grace of God, he kept us. And we could go all night. You could tell your stories and I could tell mine. But the good news is the one that got us this far. Oh, do you believe it? Does it make you glad? The one that got us this far is going to take us all away. All away. Go to Psalm 91, please. Psalm 91. We've been uh, taking this psalm verse by verse and going through it and seeing 
God's part of this and our part of this. As we said before, the Bible says in the New Testament that in the last days there'd be perilous times. What does that mean? Dangerous. Dangerous times. And uh, you've gotten used to it. I've gotten used to it because we live here every day. But uh, it's not right that every day and night you hear on the news about somebody was murdered or somebody was raped or robbed in this accident and that destruction. But it's all around us all the time. And it hasn't gotten better. And we can't. Uh, use our faith based on the scripture to believe it's going to get better and better. It said that the Bible said it's going to get worse. But here is the question. Can God keep you and protect you in the midst of a dangerous world? This place where you and I live is a dangerous place. There's enough germs in the air right now to kill all of us. There's enough stuff in everything we eat and drink. And there's all kind of ways that a person can be harmed or destroyed. But the God we serve is bigger and stronger. Greater is he that's in us than the destroying and killing and stealing one that's in the world and all the stuff around us that could hurt us. Can God keep us? Can he keep us? Perfectly safe in the middle of this dangerous place. Yes, he can. Yes, he can. So many instances. Uh, We said, uh, you know, we could testify of how many times he saved us and kept us and protected us. But throughout the Bible, amazing deliverances, miraculous protection. And we've spent some time and looked at some of these things in the last several weeks. But one thing that we've seen. And that all Christians need to know, God protecting us is not all up to God. And that's where so many have missed it. Oh, they believe God can protect you if he decides to. And if somebody's protected, it's because he just saw fit to do so. And if somebody's not protected, then he just didn't see fit to protect them. And nobody knows why, and you probably never will know why. And it's just one of those things. And it's not up to us. It's up to him. And it simply is not true. It is not Bible. It's not right. It's being spiritually ignorant. And spiritually lazy. No we've seen in this 91st Psalm. Verse after verse. There's something we're told to do. And then we see what he's going to do. If we do that. And then we're told something else that we're to do. And then if we do that, something he's going to do. Well, we ought to know that. How many understand that whether a person's born again or not is not all up to God? Well, if the most important thing in your eternal existence is not all up to God, why wouldn't the lesser things be the same way? No, we have a part to play in this. And God has a part. He has the part we can't do. (laughs) But we have a part of believing him and obeying him. And let's remind ourselves. In Psalm 1. Psalm 1 it says. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High. Shall abide 
under the shadow of the Almighty. Now that shadow is that protective canopy of power. Verse 2, I will say of the Lord. Who's going to do this? This is what we do. I'm going to do this. Now, people have not understood the power of words. And so they just run over this. And don't see this as a responsibility and as an action. But how do you get born again? You believe in your heart and you do something else. You confess and you say something with your mouth. When you say, Jesus is my Lord. I receive Jesus as my Lord. I confess Jesus is my Lord. That gives him legal rights. Spiritual, legal, eternal rights in your life to manifest the new birth. Well, it doesn't stop there. When you say, Jesus is my healer. He heals me. He forgives all my iniquities. He heals all my diseases. When you say it, it gives him a legal right to do it. When you say, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory, it gives him a legal right to do it. If you don't believe it enough to say it, and you're not willing to act on it, and you're ashamed or embarrassed about the word or whatever, it's a problem. Well, by the same token, when you stand up and say, I will say of the Lord, what? He is, come on, read it with me out loud. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. Get it now. Him being able to protect you is connected with you believing this and saying this. You know what the scripture said? I will say this. Something threatens you. Something tries to scare you, a danger. You ought to be so full of this. It just comes right out of your mouth, right out loud. You say, God's my refuge. God protects me and my babies and my kids and my stuff. He is my protector. He protects me. If it doesn't come out of you and you don't say it, it's a problem. Hmm? No, be full of faith in this and be full of the word. Let it come out of your mouth. Out of the abundance of the heart. The mouth speaks. He went on to say, surely, if you're saying that, he's going to do something. Surely he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler, from the noisome pestilence. He will cover, this is what he's going to do while you're saying that. He's going to cover you with his feathers. Under his wings you'll trust. His truth will be your shield and buckler. He's going to cover you like a mother hen does her little chicks with this protective power, this canopy, this force field. Of protection. Can you see it? While you're standing there in the middle of a dangerous situation saying, God's my God. He's my refuge. He protects us. God keeps us. He protects us. God's going to put his canopy over you while you're doing that. Now here's our part. Here's another part for us. Verse 5. You, who? You shall not be afraid. Now, this is so vital. If you are afraid of what something that can hurt you, you are not in faith that God can protect you. People don't like to hear that, but listen. Which do you have more faith in? The disease to kill you 
or the healer to heal you. The enemy to hurt you or God to protect you. Which one do you have more faith in? Got to stir yourself up. I'm getting funny looks across the crowd. Does it matter whether you fear or not? See, people, just like people haven't seen the importance of saying and the value of their words, people have not seen the significance of fearing. In fact, I've seen church signs, church signs that said a little fear was good. Well, fear is spiritual contraband to us. We ought not be caught with any on us. I'm serious. How many remember that it's a spiritual law that your fears will come on you? The thing, Job said, the thing that I greatly feared has come on me. Fear is a magnet, a spiritual magnet that opens the door and draws into your life what you're afraid of. If you don't want it to happen, you must not fear it. Are y'all with me now? You must not fear it. Now people will say, well, I I can't help it. It just overwhelms me. That's a lie. You're confusing feelings with fear. You can feel afraid and not yield to it. Your knees can be bumping together. You can have goosebumps double parked on your arms. The hair standing up on the back of your neck. And the devil say, too late, too late. You're scared spitless. Too late. You say, shut up. I refuse to fear. I resist this fear. I don't care what I feel. I resist this fear. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will, will. Do you hear that? I will. It's a matter of my will. I will fear no evil because you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We have a spiritual responsibility. If we're going to be protected... We got a responsibility to not let ourselves be afraid. Didn't Jesus tell us that? Didn't he say, don't be afraid? Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. Didn't he say that? Then he must have believed we could. We must not be afraid. You shall not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flies by day, nor for the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor for the destruction that wastes at noonday. What is it? That covers a lot of ground, doesn't it? Things that happen at night, things that happen in the day. Well, what's the understood phrase there? You'll not be afraid of the terror by night. You'll not be afraid of the air that flies in the day. You'll not be afraid of the pestilence that walks in the darkness. You'll not be afraid of destruction that wastes at noonday. You will not be afraid of it. Say it out loud. I refuse to fear it. No fear in me. I am delivered from all fears. Say it, think it, resist every feeling of fear, resist every thought of fear, give no place to it and you'll be protected. Now let me say it another way. Do you understand you are not safe from what you're afraid of? You are not safe from what you fear. You're in danger of what you fear. It's a spiritual principle that your fears come on you. So whatever it takes, quit listening to whatever puts fear in you. If there's something that you are bothered by, 
Don't talk about it. Don't feed it. Don't listen to things on it. Feed what puts faith in you. And starve your fears. Right? Starve them and they'll get weaker. And feed yourself on the Word. We were on a series for weeks here sometime back on free from all fears. And you can just camp on things like that and camp on it until you just get so full of faith till there's no more room for the fear. You'll not be afraid. And then what's going to happen if you're not afraid? Verse 7. A thousand will fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand. Well, then you were in a very dangerous place. (laughs) Weren't you? You talk about a hot spot. A thousand people died on one side of you. Ten thousand died. Ten thousand died on the other side of you. And when the dust cleared, you were still standing. Some people got it. Why? Because you're standing there saying, the Lord is my God. He protects me. He keeps me. And I refuse to fear this. I will not fear this. I refuse to be afraid. Though the earth be removed, I will not fear. That's not based on your feelings. It's not based on your thoughts. It's a choice. It's your will. Because there will be times when you feel afraid. Oh yeah. There will be times when it just sweeps over you. You feel it. That doesn't mean it's the end. It's just a symptom. Resist it. In faith. And get that mouth to going. Get that mouth cranked up. Right? And say what you're supposed to. No matter how you feel, say what you need to be saying. Say it. Say it. Say it in the morning. Say it at lunchtime. Say it in the afternoon. Say it at night. Say it. Say it. Say it. Faith comes by hearing. When you're saying, you're hearing. You'll come out. You'll overcome. Only with your eyes shall you behold and see the reward of the wicked said it won't come near you. Because you, who did it? You have made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high, your habitation. That goes back to the first part. You're standing there believing it and you're standing there saying it. There shall no evil befall you, neither shall any plague come near your dwelling. He'll give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. They'll bear you up in their hands lest you dash your foot against a stone. We talked about that. You'll tread upon the lion and adder. The young lion and the dragon shall you trample under feet. We talked about that. That was our last lesson. How does God protect us? We saw that he has power. A canopy of power that he can put around you like a mother hen putting her wings over her chicks. We saw that God has angels. Mighty. Big. Strong. And they can snatch you up faster than you can blink your eye. They can move your whole car. They can move your whole house. They can move and hold up the whole plane that you're flying on. Even a great big 747. Not a problem for them. They're big. Big. Strong. Fast. And there's at least one and probably more that have been assigned to you. By God, he charged them to keep you and called your name. He told them, now you keep them. 
And if you need to, you grab them up in your hands, lest they kick their toe against a rock. We need to believe this. We need to expect this. We also saw that one way that God, a big way that God protects us is through warnings. The way he spared Jesus' life as a child and as a baby and a young child was through warnings. Warnings. Well, we shouldn't expect more spectacular for us. When we get a warning, uh, we're not above the Lord, are we? I mean, follow that warning. Take heed to the warning. Then we saw in our last session that he's given us authority. Authority in the name of Jesus. Uh, the disciples came back. They said, Lord, even the devils are subject to us in your name. And he talked about treading down serpents and scorpions. Well, serpents and scorpions are things that hurt, things that harm, things that kill, that destroy. We have authority over things that hurt and harm and destroy. Do you believe it? Any one of these areas you could camp on for a month, couldn't you? But I want to go to this last one here in the psalm tonight. Keep reading. It says, verse 14, because he has set his love on me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He knew who to call on. He knew what name to call. I mean, there's probably a number of us have been in situations to where something came up and there was no time to say anything except Lord or Jesus And uh, he came through and we're still here. Verse 15, he will call upon me. And what will happen? I will answer him. I will. How many of you can't say it any stronger than I will? I will be with him in trouble. What else? I will. Will deliver him and honor him. I will, I will, I will. Who said it? God said it. And verse 16. With long life will I satisfy him. And what? Show him my salvation. I saw something. Uh, as I begin to get into this study that I hadn't seen about that, should have seen it, about this verse. I've done it in times past. Many other folks say they take this verse, this last verse, uh, off of the psalm and just talk about long life. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. But this verse is the culmination of all the previous verses. It is the culmination of the whole psalm. You do this and he's going to do this. You do this and he's going to do this. You do this and he's going to do this. And what's the end result? You're going to make it. Oh, you're going to make it. You're going to be protected. You're going to be kept. You're going to be healed. You're going to be delivered. And you're going to live a long time. How many know you can't die young By some accident, so-called, and make it to verse 16. (laughs) I mean, you got back up, back up, back up. What if you got took by the snare of the fowler in verse 3? 
Or you got took out by the noisome pestilence. Huh? Then you wouldn't make it to verse 16. What if verse 5, you made it through verse 3, but you got to verse 5 and you got took out by the terror by night. Yep. Or you got took out, you made it through that, but you got took out by the arrow that flies by day. Hmm? What if you made it through all that, but you got took out by verse 6? The pestilence that walked in darkness. You made it through that, but you got took out by destruction that wasted at noonday. Huh? What if you made it through all that, but you were one of the thousand that fell on that side, or you were one of the ten thousand that fell on the other side? Can you see that? What if you made it through all that? But in verse 10, the plague came to your dwelling and got you. Huh? What if you made it through all that? But the lion got you. And the adder got you. The young lion, the dragon, the serpent, the scorpion. Took you out. You made it a long ways, but you got took out by the scorpion. How many know to get to verse 16? Oh, come on now. To get to verse 16. (laughs) Oh, glory. You made it through the snare of the fowler. You made it past the noisome pestilence. You made it by the terror by night and... Over the arrow that flies by day, you made it through the pestilence, you made it through the destruction, you made it past the plague. Can you see this? Verse 16 is the culmination of all this. God has kept you. Year after year and decade after decade until now you old, old. Even the old people call you old. You're old and completely satisfied. You have done it all. You've seen it all. You run your whole race. You finished your whole course. You've done everything God put in your heart. You've seen it all come to pass. And now you're just ready to get out of here. You're ready to go. You're satisfied. That is the inheritance of the people of God. That belongs to us. Does this psalm belong to us? It belongs to us. Belongs to us. I want to talk some more about that tonight. We're talking about perfect protection. We're talking about God keeping us all the way. Through our whole life. Can you say amen? Amen. Go with me to another scripture here. Uh, Go to uh, 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter. 2 Timothy 4. We read earlier in this psalm, he'll give his angels charge over you to do what? What does it say? To keep Keep. Everybody say keep. keep. To keep you. Now that word keep, it means what you think it does. It means protect. It means uh, preserve. It means to watch over. But here's another thing it means. It means to retain. Everybody say retain. retain. To keep me means he doesn't lose me. 
If he keeps me all the way till I'm satisfied, he didn't lose me back when I was 15 and crazy. Or back when I was 21 and did something dumb. Hmm? Or back when I was 35 and the enemy had a setup for me. Or when I was 45 and got attacked with this or that. In order for me to make it all the way, he's got to keep me. Somebody say, keep me. Did he tell you he would keep you? Keep you. Now, we know we're not going to live on this planet forever. I don't want to. But we're here for a reason. And we need to do what we're here for. We don't need to do a fourth of it. We don't need to do half of it. We need to do all of it. Somebody say all of it. We need to do all of it. And in order to do all of it, we got to be kept. And he wants to keep us. I said he wants to keep us. He wants to retain us. Protect us, preserve us through everything that comes up, through terrorist attacks, through wars, through uh, economic upheaval, and through whatever. He intends to keep us so that we get all the way through our whole life that he foresaw before we were ever born. And we can look back over it and go, that was a good run. That was a long good run. I'm happy, Lord. Whenever you're ready, I'm ready. But you don't want to leave till you're done. Now, the reason I say that, a lot of people have left early. Millions. Now, some folks don't believe that. They say, well, no, you know, when they went, it was just their time. Well, you believe wrong. Ain't no way that a a 16-year-old dying in a car crash, it was their time. I'm sorry. No, I do not accept that. Not now and not tomorrow. Hmm? Well, 34-year-old mother of three, but God took her with cancer. It was her time. Absolutely not. No. No. I'm sorry, but no. No. I know millions of folks believe that, but it ain't based on the Bible. The Bible tells you. Study it for yourself. There are things you can do that will add years to your life. The Bible said do this and it will multiply your days. Do this, it will prolong your days. How many remember reading these things? The Bible said in the Psalms, bloody and deceitful men shall not live out half their days. You can live in such a way, cut your life in half, the psalmist said. No. Ecclesiastes says, don't be over much foolish. Why should you die before your time? The implication is not in the right season, not in the right time. Why should you die early? Why should you die young? Because you're being foolish. No, let's not be foolish. Let's not be sinful. Let's obey God. Let's do our part so he can keep us. So we can go all the way. All the way. I know a lot of people are not making it all the way. But you're supposed to make it all the way. God's will for you to make it all the way. And he's well able to keep you all the way. If he can get some cooperation. 
<laughs> you believe that's right? It's right. <laughs> Second Timothy, are you there? Second Timothy, the fourth chapter. Believe with me for this evening. There's some things I want to get to. I believe the Lord will help us to do it. Second Timothy four and seventeen. Notwithstanding, he said, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known and all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Now, you know, uh, being in the lion's, uh, on the lion's turf is one thing. Being in the lion's mouth, that's a dangerous place. Can God deliver you out of the very mouth of the lion, out of the very jaws of death? Can he do it? Yes, he can, and it is his will. Now, notice what he said. Notice what he said. How does a man that gets delivered like this think and believe? What's the next verse? What? But, he said, really, you just never know. What's going to happen? Because, you know, none of us want these bad things to happen, but you just never. Yeah, you never heard him say anything like that. He wouldn't. It'd be like cussing to him. He would never say such a thing. What does a man of faith sound like? Oh, listen. Listen. Listen how faith talks. The Lord, he just got through saying, he said, yeah, it was tight there for a little bit. I mean, we were in the very mouth of the lion and the Lord come in there and delivered us out of the mouth of the lion. And he got stirred up. He said, I want you to know the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me, retain me, keep me. To his heavenly kingdom. I'm making it all away. And to him be all the glory. That's how faith talks. And thinks. You want to jump in and get a part of this right now? Say it out loud. The Lord. Shall. Deliver me. From every evil work. And will. Preserve me. And keep, me and keep me to his heavenly kingdom, to his, kingdom. To his, glory. To his glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's how faith talks. None of this we'll see and you just never know. And No, that's, that's ignorance. And it's unbelief. And it's why people get destroyed right and left that don't have to. We know better, don't we? So let's talk right. Let's think right. Let's do our part. Now, he just got through saying something. A few verses back, I want you to back up and look at it. Verse 5, same chapter. He said, watch in all things and endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist and make full proof of your ministry. What does that mean? Fulfill it. Accomplish it entirely. Is what he's saying. Do the whole thing. Why? Because he has the awareness and the witness that he has finished his. He's there. And he's old. 
He refers to himself in another place as Paul the aged. Had he been through some stuff? How did he get to Paul the aged? He had to get past being beaten with rods, nights and days in the deep, snake bit on islands. He had to get past some stuff. Did God keep him until he was Paul the old? Try that on for size. Say, put your name in there. Keith the old. That's a good thing. You made it past some stuff to get there, right? Now you hear people say, oh, I don't want to get old. I don't want to. Have you considered the alternative? I don't want to get old. You just get weak. You're always sick. No, you do not have to be weak and sick and lose your mind. No, you don't. No, you don't. You don't. Now, certainly when you're 85, your body's not going to be like it was when it's 25. You're old. But you can be sharper mentally than you've ever been in your life. You can be stronger spiritually and you can still be in good operating condition. <laughs> can you say amen? amen? Keep reading. He said, now you, he's telling Timothy, young man under his ministry, he said, now I want you to, to fulfill your ministry. Make full proof of it. Do the whole thing. He said, uh, I'm ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. He knew that in his spirit. He said the time, departure, I like that. That's an aviation word. (laughs) That just sounds so much nicer than dead. (laughs) Where's so-and-so? They departed. And you don't have to say it like, well, is there dearly departed? No, no. They left this place. And they went somewhere else. If you could back off in the spirit outside the earth's atmosphere and see the planet in the spirit, it would be an amazing sight. Because there is a continual arrivals. And departures by the millions globally. What's an arrival? Babies being conceived and born. What's a departure? People call them deaths. Death is not the end. It's not even the end of the body. Because this body this body is going to be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. And all the stuff that's wrong with it is going to be fixed. Glory to God. <laughs> and it's going to be glorified so that it is no more subject to age. I mean, a million years from now, you're going to look good. Good. Ooh, you're going to look, you're going to look good. And you're going to feel even better. There will be no more pain. Pain will be a thing of the far distant past. Pain, no pain. 
No crying, no dying, no cemeteries, no hospitals, no mental institutions, no jails. And that's soon. That's soon and very soon. We're close. This is the shortest thing we will ever do. This life. And for us who are believers, this is as bad as it gets. Now, if you don't believe in God, this is as good as it gets, whatever your life is, and that's not good enough. He said, I'm ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. Read verse 7 out loud with me. I have fought. I finished. I've what? I have finished. Does this sound like Psalm 91.16 to you? With long life, I will what? Satisfy you and I will show you my salvation. Had Paul seen some salvation? Had he seen the work of God? Had he declared the glory of God? He's seen some things. He's experienced some things. He's been some places. He's been in some meetings. He's preached some sermons. He's seen some people get saved. He's seen some healings. He's seen some miracles. He's seen some glory. But he's done. He's put in his service, his tour of earth duty. He's finished his tour. Everybody in service that finishes their tour gets excited that they get to go home. I have fought a good fight. Oh, friends, let's live every day so that we have no regrets tomorrow. Let's live today and tomorrow and the next so that we don't have regrets, so that we can look back like Paul and say, I've had a good run. Know that you're just a few breaths away from leaving here, your departure. You look up and your sign is up there, you know. Keith's flight, <laughs> departing such and such time, and you, you know it, well, that's, you know, I'm done, I'm happy, I'm satisfied, I've had a good life, we've seen a lot of good things, and I know, you know, we didn't do everything perfect, we didn't cross every T necessarily and dot every I, but I have the sense in my heart, we did what we were put here on the planet to do, we did it. Is that what he's saying? I fought a good fight. And I have, oh, this is good words. I have what? Finished. Finished. I finished my course, my race. And I have kept the faith. And he said, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, is going to give me at that day. And not to me only, but all them that love his appearing. Glory to God. Now in order to make it to this place, you got to be protected. You got to be kept. You got to be healed. You got to be delivered. Is that right? Got to be. Are you not going to make it to this? Is it his will? Now come on, think about this. Is it his will for every one of us to be able to say this? 
There's no way that it's even one of us that it is not his will for this to happen. Can't be. Can't be. It is his will for every one of us to run our whole race, finish our whole course, and be able to go, I'm satisfied. Somebody says, well, I'm 32, and I think I'm satisfied. No, you're not. No, come off of it. No, you're not. I'm 55, Brother Keith, and I just think I'm satisfied. No, no, no. You better ask the Lord about this. Don't you leave here and us have to do our work and yours too. You better, you better step up. Carry your weight. Do your job. We're short-handed as it is. It's what the Bible said. The harvest is great. And there's way too many laborers. No, no. Laborers are few. Few. Thank you, Master. Go with, I just want to read some scriptures to you. Then we'll come in on some of them. Go back to Genesis. I'm going to turn to a number of places. Can you handle it? Go to Genesis. 28, some of them I may come in on, some of them I may just read, but go to Genesis 28, Genesis 28, the Lord said something to Jacob, and then I want us to read what happened about this later. In the 28th chapter of Genesis, uh, verse 15. Genesis 28, 15, you know, he had this vision. He saw the angels of God. And the Lord spoke to him in verse 13, said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father. Told him he's going to give him the land. Verse 15, the Lord told Jacob, he said, behold, I am with you and will keep you in all the places where you go and will bring you again to this land For I will not leave you until I have done that which I have spoken to you of. Man, underline that verse. Circle it. Take it personally. What did the Lord say? He said, I'm going to keep you. Now put yourself in there. This young man has lied. He deceived his daddy. He's run away from home. He don't know anybody where he is. All he's got to his name is a stick and the shirt on his back. He's scared. He's alone. God speaks to him. He says, I'm with you, Jacob. He said, I'm going to be with you everywhere you go. And I'm going to keep you. Does it mean anything when God tells you, I am with you and I'm going to keep you? Can you take him at his word? And he said, I'm giving you my word here. I will not leave you till I have done everything for you that I told you I was going to do. And it all comes to pass. Can you receive that for yourself? Is God the same yesterday, today, and forever? Is he no respecter of persons? Does he love you just like he does him? Yes, Yes, he does. Can you take it for yourself? 
Let me read it to you again right out of the word. How many know it wouldn't be any more true, it wouldn't be any more powerful if an angel descended through the ceiling right now and spoke this to you from God. The written word is the written word. Listen, let me read it to you. From God to you. Behold, I am with you and will keep you in all places where you go. I will bring you again. I will not leave you till I have done that which I have spoken to you of. What does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? That means we're going all the way. We're going all the way. We're going to make it past the arrow that flies by day. We're going to make it through the destruction and darkness. We're going to make it. Past the scorpions and serpents. We're going to make it. Past the plague. We're going to make it. We're going to make it. We're going to make it. And he's going, he, said, I, he said, I will not leave you. Till I've done everything I told you I was going to do with you. <laughs> oh, glory to God. He said, I'm going to be with you everywhere you go. Every step you take. Every town you go in. Every going in and coming out. I will not leave you. I will not. I will keep you. I remember another verse that sounds like this. In the New Testament. In the book of Hebrews. Won't you hold your place here. And go there. Hebrews. 13. Does this do anything for you? (laughs) I'd have preached this just for myself. (laughs) Hebrews 13. 5. Let your conversation, your way of life, be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. We camped on that a while back. For he, God, has said, what did he say? I will never, when God says I will never, can you count on it? I will never leave you nor forsake you. Who said it? Who did he say it to? Can you count on it? What does that mean? That means you're going to make it. I said that means you're going to make it. I am convinced, I wish everybody was, but I am convinced that Keith's going to make it. Keith being me. What do you mean, Brother Keith? I'm convinced, I am convinced that I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it past every hurdle, past every attack, past every danger, past every mistake. I'm going to make it. Keith is going to make it. I'm going to make it until I get to the place where I can go. Glory to God. I'm at my departure. I've fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. I've run a good race. And I know I've finished my course. You know why I believe that? I'm not convinced of that because I'm so wonderful or I'm so strong or I'm so amazing. It's because I am convinced God loves Keith. And God is faithful to Keith. I'm convinced that if I mess up, he'll forgive me and have mercy on me. If I don't get it the first time, he'll tell me again. 
If I don't get it five times, he'll tell me again. If he needs to, he'll bring somebody along with a PA system and say, Keith, Keith, wake up. If I fall down, he'll pick me up. If I fall down three times, he'll pick me up three times. And by the grace of God, I will make it with his help and his faithfulness and his keeping power. I'm going to make it. It's my job to believe that. And it's your job to believe that for you. Are you going to make it? What do you mean, Brother Keith? Are you going to make it through a full life? Instead of going halfway and leaving early, are you going to make it through a complete race? Finish your course? Are you? That's kind of weak. Well, you need to believe it. You need to believe it strong. Glory to God. Listen to the Amplified of this. Hebrews 13, 5. Says, For he God himself has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. And the Greek bears this out, this next part. I will not, I will not, I will not. Now he said, like be, I guess, one time. And that was enough. (laughs) But if you study this, it bears out. This is not just amplified throwing stuff in. It's in the Greek. He repeats it. I will not. Why did he say it again? I will not. Because he knew you'd be tempted to think he was. I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake you, nor let you down, or relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. Glory to God. Somebody say, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. Because he will never leave me. He will keep me to the end. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Verse 6 says, so we, this is amplified, we take comfort and are encouraged and confidently and boldly say, well, (laughs) well, you just never know what's going to happen. We all hope it don't happen, but you just never know. That's not a scripture. (laughs) What do we do? Since the Lord has said, I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless or forsake you or let you down or relax my hold on you, assuredly not, because he said that. We're going to say this. We confidently and boldly say, the Lord is my helper. That sounds like Psalm 91. God is my God. He's my refuge. He's my protector. He helps me. He keeps me. And what else? Sounds like Psalm 91. I will not be seized with alarm. I will not fear or dread or be terrified. I will not. I will not. 
Oh, you'll be tempted to, but you don't have to. I refuse to fear. Oh, friends, do you see this? Old Testament, New Testament. Here it is. He said, I will not be afraid. What? Man, man, you get sassy when you really believe that. What can man do to me? (laughs) What can devils do to me? What can disease do to me? Oh, I wouldn't say that for anything in the world. Then you got more faith in the devil to kill you than you do in God to protect you. You don't tiptoe around the devil. Oh, I wouldn't say that. Oh, the devil might hear you. He might just come and put it on you. Ooh. You got more faith in the devil to kill you than you do in God to keep you. Millions of Christians do. Don't be one of them. Don't be one of them. Since God has said, I'm never leaving you. I'm never forsaking you. I will always be with you. I will be with you everywhere you go. I'm going to keep you. And I'm telling you, I will not leave you your whole life long till I do everything I told you I was going to do. Because he said that, we confidently and boldly say, the Lord's my helper. I will not be afraid. What can this world do to me? It ain't bigger than God. (laughs) I'm enjoying myself tonight. Go back to Genesis. We read what the Lord told Jacob. Do you know what his response to this was? Probably surprised a lot of people. We talked about this a few weeks ago during offering time. You know what his response to this was? He said, well, Lord. If you keep me like you said and get me back and feed me, he said, you're going to be my God. And he said, and everything you give me, I'm going to give the tenth to you. I'm going to tithe. wonder if tithing has anything to do with protection. Well, what about, what about when it said the devourer would be rebuked? Isn't that you and your stuff being protected? Tithing. Tithing. That's a whole other seminar, isn't it? But now I want you to skip over to Genesis 40. You were in 28. Go to 48. We're going to fast forward to the end of Jacob's life. Several chapters from 28 to 48. A lot of stuff happened. A lot of things. And now he's old. Somebody say old. You got to say it right. You're not just old. You're old. Old. You're so old. Old people call you old. But you're happy. Old and happy. And satisfied. The Bible says in Genesis 48 that uh, he is nearing the end of his life, if you read the other things. And he called his, uh, you know, uh, Job's boys and family to come in. He wanted to speak to them. 
And in verse uh, 15, Genesis 48, 15, he, Jacob, blessed Joseph and said, God, before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac did walk, the God which fed me all my life long to this day. Do you see this goes back to when God spoke to him? When he's just a young boy, scared and running away from home with a stick. Now at the end of a long, long, long life, long, he said, God fed me all my life long. And the angel which redeemed me from all evil, did he know how he got there? Did he know how he made it through all those years and through all those situations and through all those changing of countries and guards and leaders and this plague and that plague? God got him through that. And he said, the same God that got me through this and fed me and protected me, keep this boy, keep my kids, keep my grandkids. This is precious, isn't it? He is just a few breaths away from eternity, and he's praying and speaking blessing over his uh, his grandkids. My grandmother did that over me. Uh, one of I guess, it might have been the last time I saw her. I was in Bible school, and she was older, and came in for a quick visit. She laid her hands on my head, prayed, and just tears ran down her face. God. Bless my boy and prayed over me and same God that kept her, you know, keep me. She's in heaven now. And God's still keeping me. Amen. 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 This is something we should inherit. This faith. Isn't that what Paul told Timothy? Same faith that was in your mother and your grandmother. He said it's in you. And what does he say? He said to God that kept me all this time and fed me, uh, keep you. I'm about to leave this place. You're just getting started with your life and I'm leaving mine. But what what he's saying is I'm praying over you and I'm speaking faith over you. And the same God that kept me all the way is going to keep you all the way. Our kids and grandkids and great grandkids should believe this. And should honor it and respect it. Can you say amen? Amen. Bless the Lord. Go to uh, the book of Psalms. Well, go to Job and then we'll go to Psalms. Job 5. I could quote these to you. I could read them to you. But I want you to turn to them. Let your eyes rest on them. Job 5. Can any good thing come out of Job? You talk about a poster child for what we're talking about is Job. Was he in some perilous situations? Did he experience some rough stuff? He had a perfect opportunity to die. Didn't he? He had great opportunity to quit. He met his wife telling him, would you just curse God and die? Man, when your own family's going, you know. Just go on and die. You might think it's time to quit. But not Job. I said not Job. 
Notice a word that came out during this discourse in Job 5 and 26. Mark these verses. Keep them beyond tonight. Don't let them get away from you. Job 5, 26 says, You shall come to your grave in a full age, like as a shock of corn comes in his season. Well, you don't pull the corn when it's green and not developed. It needs to develop completely and go through its whole cycle. He said, that's the way you'll go. You'll go through your whole life, baby, child, youth, adult, middle-aged adult, older adult, all the way to you old. Now skip to the end and see if he really believed this. Job. Job had a rough time, didn't he? You talk about sick, man, he was sick. He had boils, running boils from the top of his head to the soles of his feet and everywhere in between. He sat on an ash heap and scraped himself trying to get relief. He said he couldn't sleep. He couldn't eat. He had wasted away to nothing. If you read the whole thing, you see, man, he's, he's looking at death in the face. But look at this. When Job prayed for his friends... Verse 10, the Lord turned his captivity. Also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Glory to God. Verse 12, so the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. What if you have a rough patch? It's not the end. What if it looks dark? What if it looks like you're dead and everybody says you're going to die? And your folks say, won't you just go on and die? You don't got to die. <laughs> you can irritate them all. Including the devil. And just live and keep on living. And not just live. Live. Thrive. Overcome like Job. Heard people say, well, I guess I'm just like poor old Job. Glory to God. You like Job? Glory to God. Listen how Job came out. The Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than the beginning. He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, and 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 she-asses. He had seven sons, had three daughters. He called the name of the first Jemima and Keziah and uh, Karen Hapak. And in all the land were no women found so fair as the daughters of Job, prettiest girls in the country. Their father gave them inheritance among their brethren. After this, after this. Job lived 140 years after this. That's not his lifespan. That's how long much more he lived after his rough patch. And he saw his sons and his sons' sons and his sons' sons' sons and his sons' 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 four generations. And so that's after this. That's after the rough stuff. So Job died. Finally. <laughs> Fine. Being old. Now when the Bible says you old. You old. 
Job died being old and full. What does that sound like? Satisfied. When you're full, you're satisfied. Full of days. When Job breathed his last, he thought, glory to God. Do you, you know, it's been 147 years since his troubles. Or 140, I guess. You know, that ain't been bothering him for a long, long, long time. How many know the devil can think he's got you? Don't you know he thought he had him? You're sitting on the ash heap, running sores, skin and bone. You stink. Nobody wants to be around you. Your wife says, won't you just curse God and die? All your kids are dead. You've lost your business. You lost all your money. Don't you think the devil thought he had him? You know he thought he had him. Oh, but God. Oh, but God. God brought that man up. Gave him another family. Gave him twice as much money. And he's a billionaire before this started. Gave him another 140 years. Say it out loud. Don't quit. Never quit. Never, never. Never quit. Never, never quit. Say it out loud. I'll die. When me and God. Get good and ready. For me to die. And not before. Till then we're going to live. And not die and not just live. We're going to flourish. We're going to thrive. Like this. Like this. Glory to God. Go to Psalm uh, 71. Psalm 71. Verse 16. Everybody read this out loud. Psalm 71, 16. What does it say? I will go in the strength of the Lord God. Say it again. I will go in the strength of the Lord God. What do you do when you feel like you can't go? I will go. What about when your strength is gone? I will go anyhow. In the strength of the Lord God. New Testament said be strong in the Lord. Not just in yourself, in the Lord and in the power of his might. I'll make mention of your righteousness, even of yours only. Oh God, you have taught me from my youth. And hitherto have I declared your wondrous works. And now also, when I am old and gray-headed. Oh God, forsake me not. And he said he wouldn't. Until I showed your strength to this generation and your power to everyone that is to come. You're not supposed to get out of here early. You're supposed to show something to the young folks coming up behind you. They're supposed to see what God can do in keeping a man, keeping a woman, healing us, providing for us. They're supposed to see it. And you see it and see it and see it until we have shown the glory of God in our life. He's seen it. The generation to come up under us has seen it. It's sad. So many people, just about time they learn a little bit about God, they leave. And don't pass it on to the next generation. Let's not do that. Somebody say, all the way. way. I'm going all the way. way. 
Psalm 92. Psalm 92. Hope you're writing these verses down. You may need to share them with somebody tomorrow. Or somebody like yourself next week. Psalm 92. 92 and uh, 10. He said, my horn shall you exalt like the horn of a unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Now see, that's how you can keep on going. Year after year. Because you get fresh oil. And it doesn't get old and you're not bored and you're not tired of living and bored with living because you keep getting fresh anointings and refreshings and quickenings of the Lord. He said, my eye will will see my desire on my enemies. My ears will hear the desire on the wicked that rise up against me. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He will grow like a cedar in Lebanon. You know, some of those cedars are old, those big ones. They're old. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. Somebody say flourish. Flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bring forth fruit in old age. Yeah, you old, but you're still cranking out the fruit. Glory to God. You bearing fruit, bearing more fruit than you did when you were young. I'm not talking about just holding on to a rocking chair arm and watching the clock. I'm reading the Bible, friends. What did it say, verse 14? Read it out loud. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They'll be fat and flourishing. Not just overweight, but fat with everything good, enriched. And that next word brings it out. Flourishing. Somebody say flourishing. Somebody say, man, they old. You know how old they are? I said, yeah, but they flourishing. I mean, I wouldn't mind being that old if I'm flourishing like they are. Flourishing. Somebody say old. Fruitful. Flourishing. Get it in your spirit. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They'll be fat. And flourishing, actually the Hebrew for that is green. Green means you are not dried out. You still sappy. Still got some sap. You old, but you say, hey, don't let that white hair fool you. There's a lot of sap left in this old boy. A lot of sap left in this girl. Right? Sappy. Sassy, green, fruitful. We ought to bear fruit till the day we leave here. Till the day we leave here. Every day bearing fruit, bearing fruit, bearing fruit. Making a difference. Till the day we leave this place. To show all this is to show that the Lord is upright. He's my rock. Sounds like Psalm 91. He's my rock. And there's no unrighteousness in him. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Go to Isaiah 46. Man, I got a whole nother sermon right here. Maybe that's for another time. Isaiah 46. 
You're marking these down, right? Isaiah 46, verse 3. Isaiah 46, 3. Hearken to me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, which are born by me from the belly, which are carried from the womb. He says, I carry you from your mother's belly. And how long and how far? Verse 4. From your mother's belly, even to your old age, I am he. And even to your hoar hairs, that's gray hairs, will I carry you. I have made and will bear. I will carry and will what? See, how are you going to get from your mother's belly to old and gray-headed? You're going to have to be delivered many times. You're going to have to be healed. You've got to be kept. You've got to be strengthened and protected. What did he say? He said, I'm the one that got you out of your mother's belly. And he said, I'm the one that gets you all the way to your gray hairs. Old. He said, I'm with you and I will deliver you. That's that keeping word. I'm going to keep you. I'm going to retain you. I'm going to hold on to you. I will not. I will not. I will not in any degree leave you helpless or forsake you or let you down. I'm with you. I'm going to keep you. This is all the way. Isn't that one of the last things the Lord said before he left this earth and ascended on high? He said, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age in the world. I'm with you. I'm with you. Is he with us? He said, I'll be with him in trouble. I will deliver him. I will honor him. And with long life, I'll satisfy him. Are you getting all this together now? With long life, I'll satisfy him. And I'm going to show him my salvation through all those years and all those tears and all that stuff and all those attacks. He's going to see how I can deliver again and again, how I can heal and how I can take you all the way. All the way. This means something to me, friend. Does it to you? Hallelujah. One last thing. I think. Go to the book of Acts. And I think we can close. Acts 27. I was talking to somebody about this uh, last night. This has helped me. I've stood on this in times that I was tried. Acts 27 is the story of a voyage and a storm. And it really happened as an actual storm, an actual voyage. But it is typical of life's voyage and life's storms. And it's applicable to all of us. Paul told them not to go, didn't he? He said, sirs, I perceive, verse 10, I perceive this voyage is going to be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading and ship, but also of our lives. How does God protect us? He warns us. What if they had heeded that warning? What would they have been spared? But no. The Bible says that the uh, centurion, verse 11, believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. And they left and it looked like it was working out, but then they got caught by a wind. 
And it got worse. And it got worse and it got worse. And they got into a full-blown hurricane. And the Bible said, in verse 18, we were exceedingly tossed with the tempest. The next day they lightened the ship. Third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. You need that to get home. (laughs) That shows you how bad it was. You know, they don't think they're going to make it through the day. And when neither sun nor stars in many days. I mean, I don't want to hold on to a pitching ship for three hours. Many days. And no small tempest, Leo, that means a big tempest was on us. All hope that we should be saved was then taken away. Even the most positive of them. Mm -mm. All hope was gone. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and he said, Sirs, you should have hearkened to me and not loose from Crete and gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you, though, be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship we're going to lose the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, and he said to me, Fear not, Paul. What's his part? What's his part? He needs some deliverance. He needs some protection. So we've looked at this just as a kind of a casual greeting. That's the way angels say hi. Fear not. Hi. No. It's instruction from heaven. You want to make it through this, Paul? Do not fear. You think he was tempted to fear? Oh. They've thrown up till they can't throw up anymore. They're holding on. You know, it looked like they weren't going to make it to last. However, how many days? Many days. He said, don't fear. Can you? Can you refuse to fear? Even in a case like this? Fear not, Paul. Oh, get this, get this. You must be brought before Caesar. Oh, what does that mean? Did he tell him you're not going to drown? Not specifically. Did he tell him you're not going to die? He did, but how did he tell him? He said, Paul, you've got to go all the way. You've got to go and stand before this leader. Like I, when I appeared to you on the road to Damascus and I told you, you was going to stand and bear my name before kings. And years have passed, but you hadn't done that. And you've got to do it. What does that mean? You're pale. You're holding on, salt water slapping you in the face, but you start smiling because you know, (laughs) I ain't going to die out here. It looks like I am. It feels like I am. But I can't die out here because I got to go to Rome. God's told me I got to go to Rome. And ain't no way I can drown out here and go to Rome. So I ain't drowning. Oh, can you see this? Can you see this? You can stand on what God has told you. Remember what he told Jacob? He said, I will not leave you until I've done everything I told you. I'll be with you and I won't leave you. I'll keep you till everything comes to pass that I told you. So he gets excited. He says, boys, cheer up. 
They're holding on to stuff. Boys, be glad. <laughs> Why? I got to go to Rome. <laughs> and good news, God says you get to go with me. Do you know they lived because he was on that boat? That is no exaggeration. That is no stretch. Listen to the language. He said, fear not, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And God has given you. Why? Because he asked for them. God has given you all them that are sailing with you. Mm-mm-mm. Because this man of God was on that boat, all their lives were spared. It's not an exaggeration. God said he gave them to Paul. He said, sirs, be of good cheer. He says it again. Cheer up. Cheer up, boys. For I believe it. I believe, God, it's going to be just like it was told me. Friend, there will be times in your life where it looks like this is it. Looks like we're not going to make it. Paul was a man of faith. Sometimes it's because of other people's decisions. And other people's mistakes can affect you too. And you can be in places where it looks like you're not going to come out this time. But if God told you something that it hadn't come to pass yet. You can just go ahead and relax. I said you can just go ahead and relax. Because there ain't no way you can die in this. And finish your course and do what he told you to do. And you need to stand up and say like he said, I believe God. I don't care what I feel. And see, it's going to be just like he told me. I will finish my course. I will do what he told me. I will do what I was born to do. So I can't die with this. Did you hear that? Stand up on your feet. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.